0: And boom, we are back with another episode of Upward and Onward. Today we are joined by our guest, Nick Cianfione. He is a serial entrepreneur. And when I say serial, I am not talking Frosted Flakes. I'm talking S-E-R-I-A-L, entrepreneur. Nick, thanks for joining us. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, and I just took that intro like four times, and Nick saw each of them. So yeah, just so you know. It's been a blast so far. <laughs> it's been a blast so far. No pun intended. I said blast a couple of times, and we cut it out, but... Finally, we got this thing kicked off. It's a, awesome to see you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like you've had a busy week.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a busy uh, two weeks. Yeah. Um, I have the super fun opportunity of commuting between Austin, Texas, and Providence. Short commute. Um, short commute. Yeah, it's a short commute. It's yeah. a it's a fun commute. Um, my obviously restaurant, the startup I'm working on right now, is headquartered in Providence. Um, it was started here in Rhode Island. Ever, all of our team is in Rhode Island um but my girlfriend got relocated down to texas and uh i dragged her to providence so i guess she can temporarily drag me to texas oh, for means, a little bit it's only fair um, it's only fair so yeah so you know i'm up here uh from texas and uh it's a little bit colder Definitely. um about 93 and sunny when i land wow. um when i head back but uh you know it's been it's been a crazy week of events and meetings and you know you cram six months of everything into you know two weeks gotta Jeez. gotta do literally quote-unquote the road show you know you gotta yeah. you gotta go out there and do the dog and pony dance while you're here which you did
0: you had an appearance on the road show this week right
1: we did that was that was my first ever time on on tv i've done a lot of podcasts and a lot of fun stuff like that my my days and nightclubs i was we worked with radio a lot but i've never done tv okay. um and it was definitely a new experience
0: i believe it i believe it positive experience though oh yeah no totally a positive experience yeah, I believe it I believe it nice uh, so what's helpful I think for our listeners and our viewers if you can walk us back a little bit because you are a serial entrepreneur but mm-hmm. in your childhood and your background really uh, did that love for entrepreneurship foster at a young age and were there things that you were doing as you were young that maybe kind of led up to what you're up to now
1: So I think my family knew that I was either going to be a successful business person or in prison about fifth grade. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nick.
0: Hey, you look like you got a good head on your shoulders, but you
1: could go to jail. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think it was like fifth grade when they realized it. Um, And when they realized it was when I ran a. Multi-school duct tape wallet empire. Interesting. Out of my out of my bedroom, Damn. literally. I had kids at different schools that would buy them off of me wholesale and distribute them <laughs> to their this. schools. Like like this was a. F- I had distributors. Wow. I had order forms. Wow. It's legit. I, Literally. But then I realized the duct tape was really strong, and sooner or later, everyone has a duct tape wallet, and then you run out of customers. Out of customers. Yep. So in like fifth grade, though, in like the course of like three weeks, I made. Like twelve hundred bucks or wow. something insane. It was something crazy. That's awesome. Um, and then you know, at a fifth grade, what did I do? I probably went to the outlets and bought a bunch of stupid clothes. Probably. Um, but I think that was when like my feeling really started to know. I mean, even from a young age, like I like the normal kids. You know, you would do a lemonade stand. Like yeah. I'd try to build like lemonade empires. You know what, cool. what I mean? Like it was always it was always more than just you know kind of the the fun stuff. Mm. Um, but when it really started happening was when I started hosting concerts mm-hmm. in my freshman year in high school. Okay. I think that was really when the like the pivot changed for me. That was when I realized it was something. Okay. Like everything else was just kind of I was I was just kind of screwing around. Yeah. Um. And then I think when I started hosting concerts was then when it was like, okay, like this is actually something that is a business. Yeah. Um, Fair. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And um, I saw online on LinkedIn that North. Eastern Entertainment Solutions was something that you were also a part yes. of. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: So that that was my concert event production company, all of that stuff. Um, it was actually funny. I started it when I was 16 years old. Actually, 15. Sorry, when I was 15 years old. Um, and I came up with a name that I hoped would sound so legit <laughs> that nobody thought it was a 15 year old running it. Fair. So I came up with Northeastern entertainment solutions sounds good. where it was like Liddy Productions. Oh, yeah. Like oh, people, yeah. would be, people would be like, all right, here's this okay. guy. But like when people got an email from Northeastern entertainment solutions, they're like, Oh yeah. Sounds, sounds legit. Sounds kind of legit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that was a story of that starting was, was my freshman year. We were a part of relay for life in our high school. And, uh, we were losing to to this other team, and I was like, I went to one of my buddies, and I was like, "Hey, we got to come up with some creative solution, um, tend to beating, you know, the other team." Mm-hmm. And we had the idea we're like, "There's this old music venue in our town. Let's rent it out and throw a party." Yep. Uh, the first one, uh, about thirty people showed up, okay. because it was the night of junior prom. Oh, interesting. So we we really screwed up that one. Yeah, but we got to the end of that. We're like, okay, you know. I kind of dug deep. I was like, well, now I can't be in a laughing stock. Yeah. Um, so the next year I bought 180 pounds of paint powder and threw this huge paint party. Love that. Um, we sold it out in about a week. Love that. And so at 15 years old, I was holding 12 grand in cash in hand at the end of the night. And obviously we donated it all. It all it okay. all went to to cancer research. And But at that point, it was like, this is actually a viable business. And so I did three more of those charity events. Mm. And then I was like, you know, how do I do this as my job? Yeah, and so I started doing that. And By the time I graduated high school, I think we hosted about fifty to sixty concerts across Connecticut. Interesting. Um, and then I got to college, and I realized, wow, uh, concerts is great and it's cool and sexy, yep. um, but it's nowhere near the money you can make in other industries. Okay. And when I was surrounded by you know kids doing you know at the time being in high school, you know we were doing maybe forty, fifty thousand dollars a year in profit, yep. which is great, of course. But then when you're sitting next to a kid in college who's doing, you know, $300,000 a year creating fishing rods, oh, yeah. you're like, okay, I got to step my game up. There's there's tech companies here. There's all these different people, yeah. um, which, you know, shout out to fishing rod company, Zach. I love the kid. Great, genius yeah. business. But exactly. It's like you realize you're like you, – you're the aggregate of the people you hang out with the most. So in high school, I didn't have other entrepreneurs. I see. And I see. so, you know, I was the outlier, so I didn't have anybody to compete with. I see. Then I got to college. It's like, all right. You know, let's do this thing. Now, now let's step up the game.
0: I see. So, was that a motivating factor for you to want to go to Bryant University and study business administration and entrepreneurship?
1: So, yeah. So, at Bryant, I think what the, the motivating factor for me for Bryant. So, I, I obviously like everyone else. I applied to the three Bs: Bryant, Bentley, and Babson. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dream school was Babson, uh, but you know, for the record, I didn't make it into Babson, which um, you know, hopefully make him regret it one day yeah um (laughs) but it it was and i didn't not make it i got waitlisted on both bentley and um babson and they were like oh like do you want to wait and then brian came in with you know academic scholarships and all this i was like nope nope nope, we're going to brian i'm just i'm just a big believer in like everything happens for a reason and you know i look back on it and i'm like the like i look back over my whole life you know i in you know from a young age in elementary school, you know didn't really get along with a lot of people, and so I went to Catholic school. That got me into theater, and then I ended up going all the way to a theater high school. And you know, I look at it now like if I didn't go to theater, I wouldn't be good at sales it's and fair. have a good presentation style and a lot of stuff like that. Same thing at Bryant. If I didn't go to Bryant and I you know I wanted to chase my dream school, I actually wouldn't be living my dreams right now because all of my investors, all of my companies, all of that stuff came from Bryant. Nice, um, and I probably could have gotten. I wouldn't have not gotten those, you know, to probably the same place at Babson or other colleges. Yeah. But I wouldn't have met the investors, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met the people that got me there. Definitely. Um, Definitely. So, so yeah.
0: So while you were at Bryant, were there any specific courses or even experiences that you had, maybe professors that you met, investors that really yep. have stuck with you throughout your career and have been really inspirational to you?
1: Oh, hundred um, percent. I would say multiple different, you know, student entrepreneurs that that we always keep in touch with. Um, there were two professors, though, that literally um, my entrepreneurial marketing professor, I still stay in touch with her all the time. Um, we She helps me out on so many things. Uh, we call probably on a you know, monthly or bi-monthly basis. Nice. Um, but she was there from the start. She helped a lot of the branding and the advice and all that different stuff when I was launching Artist Public. And then the other one who was a really good leader at the beginning and an advisor at the beginning was my entrepreneurial finance professor. Cause I'll never forget it. Um, we had someone reach out for an investment. It was our first investor that reached out to us and I walked into his class and I was like, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. I have never talked to an investor before. I don't have any of this. And he's like, do you have a lawyer? And I was like, no, <laughs> he goes, all right. He goes, meet me tomorrow in meet me out here. But next day he drove me into Providence. His, uh, good friend was one of the, leading people at Hinckley allen one of the partners at Hinckley allen and he got me a great deal mm. they were like basically you don't have to pay us up front until you get funding and even that the first you know amounts 50 off mm. and like the fact like he literally drove me to providence so cool. got me lawyers and then helped me with the accountants and all the different stuff and so yeah a lot of the professors really went the extra mile nice. um and so yeah, I definitely I definitely stay in touch with a lot of them.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, maybe uh, Babson, if you're seeing this, you guys missed it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bentley too. Let's throw you guys all in there. We're gonna name you too. But uh, thanks for sharing about your yeah. experiences at Bryan University. Uh, I also saw that you were a part of Y Combinator, and you went through Y Combinator.
1: So the part? the Y com- the Y Combinator one a little different. Um, we were I obviously a lot of my time spent now. Um, I try to give back. I try to work with students. I try to work in the community and with other entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I, I get asked a lot is like, what kind of free resources do you look at? And so Y Combinator has this really cool online free resource uh, called Startup School. Yes. And so I, during COVID, super bored, put myself through it um, to kind of like be able to tell people like thoroughly, like, hey, is this something that you would recommend people to go through? Um, and their Startup School I, I absolutely love. I think I think it's a really... Beneficial school. I think it has a lot of really interesting stuff mm-hmm. that even myself looking at it at the time, you know, I had already gone through my first technology startup from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there was still stuff that I was learning. And so that was why I was glad I kind of went through it because now I can tell entrepreneurs, like, hey, if you want to know, if you want a really good free resource that it's open to everybody. It's yeah. not, you know, an yeah. application like the normal Y Combinator Accelerator. Yeah. If you want a free resource that's open to anybody, that's probably one of my favorite resources online. Good to know. If anyone's listening
0: and you're thinking about maybe yeah. getting into uh, entrepreneurship or just learning more about how you can launch your own business, Y Combinator has a free resource. And Nick, stamp of approval. Yeah.
1: And that ain't no paid endorsement. Uh, that's right. That's not a paid that, This is just someone trying it out. Hey, why come here? Sam Altman.
0: Uh, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, that's great. That's really cool that you seek that out yeah. while you were maybe bored or just really yep. wanted to learn more. And it has been a useful resource for you. Yeah. Uh, white cap apparel. That's something that you oh, found as we're going as well. deep. Yeah, we're going back. Let's go back. Deep. Let's start there and then we'll go forward. What's white cap apparel?
1: So white cap apparel was uh, me and my buddy when, when I was running concerts, Um, we wanted to start a a clothing brand Um, but specifically uh, we were starting a men's bracelet company. Um, It was kind of like these anchor bracelets and uh, so we did that but we also built a whole apparel brand around it Um, and uh, yeah, we built that over the course of Couple years in high school, it was kind of fun. It was my kind of first kind of doting in that kind of apparel and stuff like that world. Mm. And we had everything. Manu- we were working with manufacturers overseas oh, really? and all this different stuff. Yeah, we. It was kind of fun because we were in high school and, uh, you know, we're, we had finals the next day, and you're <laughs> up at one a.m. Yeah. chatting with someone. Di- yeah, different people overseas yeah. and, and learning how the whole supply chains work, and mm. you really learn it just by doing it. Definitely. But yeah, and then also working a lot on the actual retail distribution. You know, we not got anywhere crazy, but we probably distributed to in person probably 20 stores across okay. both the East Coast from Maine to Florida okay. and did a lot of online e commerce, mm. but it it was definitely a lot of that stuff. It was it was a fun project to work on. I had two other co founders and it wasn't anything crazy, and then we ended up selling it uh first year our first year in college we ended up just selling it because we were just running it and some kids reach out to us about advice about launching their own apparel brand and we're like do you want to just buy, buy ours this one yeah and so you know it, it was out. beer money it was cash and Didn't we go. moved on That's all you needed at the point right <laughs> yeah, exactly I mean, exactly hey, you're gonna give me beer yeah, money? no one's gonna complain about beer money no that's fair
0: no oh that's funny uh do you still have any uh white cap apparel anywhere in your closet i'm
1: curious <gasps> oh i definitely do somewhere yeah, yeah. um yeah.
0: You do you wear it?
1: No. No. No, I well, have. Why? Haven't well,
0: the are the, desi- the designs not up to snuff like do you Oh, the designs
1: or? are not up to snuff. Okay. All right. Not then, up you know to what snuff. White Cab Apparel? I hope you guys are doing well, but we're no longer wearing your brand. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't even think they have it anymore. I don't know what they did with it. Yeah, But uh you yeah, no, we the, the designs were cool. There was a couple of designs that were cool, but you know, we were high schoolers trying to design apparel companies. It That's wasn't fair. definitely better than mediocre. Okay. But at you know. least you're honest.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. That.
1: Was it was good? I would I would have wore. I mean, I had family and friends that definitely wore. I think my yeah. mom still wears it. Mom, of course um, she will. Obviously, my of mom course. still wears yes. it, yes, which is good. Um, it's probably one of her favorite shirts. She yeah. still wears. <laughs> but I, w- I do have a bunch of the bracelets laying around. Okay. I did keep in a lot of those. Nice. That's what's up. That's what's up.
0: Um. So from there, I'm going to jump a little bit forward. Mm-hmm. Artist Republic. So yeah. You were the founder of Artist Republic. Yep. How did this begin? And okay. what was your experience with Artist Republic?
1: So the way Artist Public began was the the short, long story. Uh, when I got to college, realized I, Northeast Entertainment Solutions was not the most profitable thing. And so I wanted to figure out what I wanted to do next. At that point, when I wasn't hosting concerts anymore, I wasn't competitive to people. And so a lot of the nightclub promoters reached out to me to run their marketing. Okay. And so at that point, I started a whole Instagram marketing agency because this was at the heyday of really – pre Instagram bots. They yep. they at this point in time the Instagram was a Wild West. Yeah. Um, and the whole targeted follow for follow method was massive. Mm. And so we had a whole method around that. Nice. And so I built that over the course of a year. We ended up getting shut down by Instagram before I really got to really? grow it. Yeah. But we that was what led to Artist Public because what we were actually doing was we were trying to create a a trackable link that you could put in someone's bio okay. that tracks what Instagram account clicked that link. I see. Not how many link clicks you got because okay. we already have that. Okay. But imagine if you could know who actually – what accounts were clicking the link mm. in your bio. Like a UTM code. Yes. Okay. So that, we were basically trying to make a UTM code for Instagram. Okay. The problem was what we realized is that you could only track it through the web mm-hmm. interface. You couldn't track it through the, the app. Okay. And so at that point, we realized that it wasn't it wasn't going to work. But by the time we realized that it wasn't going to work, we were already building internal tools Mm. that artists could use as they set up their link. Like, what else could they do? And that was when I realized that the link wasn't the solution, but the portal Mm. that had all these tools was the solution. And so that was when we started building because at that point I had helped helped artists by hosting concerts. Now I helped artists by doing the marketing. And they kept asking for more. And so I realized at that point, like, they didn't need just shows or just marketing. They needed one website that could just do it all for them yeah. the same way they'd hire a manager mm. without giving away pieces of their career. Which makes
0: sense. Yeah, I know. I think about that sometimes because you hear about even like sports players and their massive contracts. But, of course, they have their agent who they have to pay. Mm-hmm. They have the tax that they have to pay and all these other hands that they have to you know, yep. feed first before themselves. So even for artists, uh, having a segue that they can go to and have a portal yeah. that they can bypass having to pay out other people – Exactly. Super useful super useful why music why music you seem like you're drawn to music with hosting concerts uh, you know Artist Republic. why music
1: I've always been I don't know I've always been a music guy um, I listen to so much music I don't have a specific genre it changes by the day mm-hmm. um, could change by the hour yep. and uh, I don't know I've always been drawn to it um, ever since a young age I you know was a part of band I was a part of theater I was a part of obviously hosting nightclub and concerts. I was a DJ for a little bit. Nice. Um, and then now even working in the restaurant space, you know, it's it's still – it's not much different than I'm working with bars and I'm working with breweries that's and fair. I'm working with, you know, yeah. restaurants. And it's it's not much it's different fun. than the area that I've always been in. That's fair. Um,
0: it seems like you just like to have fun. And you kind of oh, mix yeah. the fun with your work and that's how yeah. you're able to just do so much, it seems like, from afar. Um, I'm also curious, though, what's the process like? Raising funding and then also being acquired because ours public has been requ- acquired. So,
1: <laughs> so okay, raising funding is in the most, in the most modest. I, I'm not the best fundraiser in the world. There's people that are superstar fundraisers. Um, I wouldn't say I'm also the worst fundraiser in the world. Uh, I enjoy the first couple rounds of fundraising, I thoroughly enjoy. The angel rounds, the pre-seeds, and and the seed rounds are a lot of fun because you're you're selling a vision, Mm. and it's not as much about KPIs, and it's not as much about you know oh I care about this versus that, and you're 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 at that point you're selling a company and a dream, and you're not selling you know a distilled down version of a piece of paper that's an unsexy version of a of a breathing company. True. And so I really like the early rounds of funding. They're hard. Don't get me wrong. The the things I've learned from funding, and I think why we've been so successful fundraising restaurants so quickly, is it it matters on a couple different things. Number one, it matters who you are. And as much as I hate to say it, it just does. Mm. What credentials you have. um, I know I had that going against me in my first company coming out of Bryant is – there was over 497 venture capitalists that I picked mm-hmm. or that I pitched. 496 of them went to uh, Ivy League schools. Oh, interesting. And so you know you there is that there is some bias there yeah. and there's a lot of different biases in so many different areas. Yeah. There's biases in you know we know that there's biases in funding based on gender. We know yeah. that there's biases based on race. We yeah. know there's biases based on school. Yep. we know there's biases based on industries and yep. so when you go out there, you need to first basis yourself of what biases and how do I overcome them? Yeah, um, and so that's number one. You know, we had a massive biasy with Artists Public that we were a music company. Mm. There's only four music venture capital funds, and all of them have their money deployed, of course. Yeah. And so at that point, you have now you have to go pitch a company, a VC fund that is investing in cancer technology and convince them to invest in a music company. And so that where it goes into number two, you can have the best idea in the world, but if investors aren't funding it, it's not there. Fair, And so there can be so many implicit biases. Like, yeah, it it goes so deep. You can have a, a positive on one, you can have a negative on another. And it's just, it all can balance out. Um, well, not balance out, but like it all... You know, you could think you have the perfect startup. Still, Um, like you could, you could literally go to an Ivy League. You could be the perfect person. Really set yourself up. Yeah. But then, you know, they're not investing in NFTs anymore. So it's like, okay, you got an NFT company (laughs) one year too late. You know, we in the music industry, we were four years too late, Mm. and it's just tough. And we were spoiled in the sense that we literally had some of the best investors in the world making introductions for us, and still people were like. I'm not interested in, in music technology. Wow. So that's kind of the thing I would say about, about fundraising is is there's implicit biases and who's gonna invest. I mean, there's so much capital in the world, but you just have to start splitting it up. There may be a billion dollars of venture capital, but say twenty percent of that right now is only going to AI. Yeah. If you're not doing AI, twenty percent of that's out the ball game. That's true. And then there's there's so many different things. That's so true. that's number one. Number two is I would say the ease of understanding. Mm. Uh, and so what that basically means is there's so many companies that are great. But if you can't distill it down into a a, a one sentence pitch mm. that makes people understand it, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Artist Republic was doing so much that we like to say we were a record label online, yeah. but still it gives you an understanding, but it's still tough. Yeah. With restaurant we say we're the open table for private events, mm. and people are like, "Okay, I get that." Yeah. Enough to understand exactly what you do. Yeah. And that's a big piece of fundraising is being able to have a broad range of everybody understanding, and I think we've been lucky with with restaurant yeah. with that. And then the third piece that also goes back into the the implicit biases, but being a multi time founder. Yeah, true. Uh, I heard that a lot in my first company was we only invest in second time founders. Interesting. And it used to you you know get me upset because it's like how do I become a second time founder if I if I haven't become a first time founder? Yeah. And so, but now being a second time founder, you realize it's easier. And and yeah. but there's reasons for that because now I've raised the money, yeah. I've hired the people, I've lost money, I've won money, yep. we've sold money. Like yeah. it's I've seen it all, so I know what's stupid. I know what's not. You know, we had a decision the other day that we didn't have any sort of CFOs in the last company, and I'm already working on bringing a fractional CFO in and stuff like that because. I know where my strong points are, my weak points are, and yep. I think that's the benefit of a second-time founder, and so definitely. understand, definitely. but that's kind of my three things, is understanding the implicit biases of venture capital at the time that you're trying to raise. Okay. Um, two, making sure that your statement and understanding of your company, that you understand it well enough to mm. help other people understand it in a one-sentence way. And number three, just experience, and making sure that you can replicate that experience. Hmm. If you're not a second time founder, you are a first time founder, then what piece of experience makes you just as valuable as a second time founder? Mm. What job experience, what prior experience, what industry knowledge, what makes you super special?
0: Interesting, thanks for sharing that. That's that's awesome feedback and awesome, uh, just really knowledge about your experiences. And if you're out there and you're thinking about starting your own thing and you are maybe thinking about having a venture capitalist fund your venture, don't be discouraged by the implicit bias. I think that Nick can speak to that. He obviously has gone through all yeah. of these steps and he hasn't let that stop him. So, please don't let it stop you. Thank it you. doesn't stop anybody. Yeah.
1: There is implicit biases in so many ways for every single person. True. Very true. You know, it doesn't matter what There's what accelerators are. designed for, you know, blue tech companies out here in Rhode Island. Yeah. And just because you're not a blue tech company, okay, you can't go giant that one, but there may be another one for you and Definitely. and I think that's what that's what people have to realize is you know what we're getting out there, but just understand the lay of the field and figure out where you're where you're going to be most successful. Definitely.
0: Uh, you've mentioned Restaurant a lot, so I want people who are listening and hearing this that don't know what Restaurant is. Can you mm-hmm. give them a little bit of an insight into what they can expect to see from Restaurant in the coming months and years? <laughs>
1: uh, so Restaurant is really at the point I like to say, like, we just had a baby. Like it's like we know it's a baby you said a baby we know you know we know it's a baby it's a baby we know that it cries we know that it's going to walk Yes. we know that it's going to talk yes we just need to figure out when it's going to talk that's fair and we need to give it the time to talk and and that's one of the things I say to people is if you ha- if you just have a child mm. no matter what you do to nurture it yeah. you can't enroll it in preschool the next day it's true. It's, it's physically not ready. And yep. it's the same thing with a startup is you can't just have a startup, throw a bunch of money at it, and think it's going to be successful yeah. tomorrow. It just takes time to learn itself. Definitely. And so that's kind of where we're at with, with Restaurant right now. I mean, we launched April 1st. We have about 150 venues on board across the state of Rhode Island. We're expanding to Massachusetts, Connecticut, Texas, New York, a couple other different places. And we're just taking it slow. We're taking it day by day. We're figuring out... You know, who's going to join the team and what the roles are and how can we keep it small and effective mm-hmm. and lean? And mm-hmm. what's the best marketing strategy? Is it ad spend? Is mm-hmm. it sponsoring events? Yeah. Is it hiring someone to go out and pursue events? Yeah. Where are the best ways to spend money? How do we sell vendors, you know, venues? Is it through salespeople? Is it through sponsorships? Is it through podcasts? Like mm. you have to take time to figure it out. Yeah. So And it's yeah. it's only one month old, so it's, it's a newborn. It's true.
0: It's only one month old. I, but from yeah. what I've seen, at least on social media and just the events that you guys have done so far, it seems like you guys are just on a rocket ship to the top. So I'm excited to see your journey, and uh, I'm rooting for you guys. Thank you. Um, I'm curious, though, as a consumer and someone yep. like myself or even someone who's watching, uh, they live in Rhode Island, and it's maybe their best friend's birthday that's coming up, and they're looking to book a spot for them. Is restaurant a solution for them to find a place that they can host an event? after hours at a establishment
1: exactly okay but it also could be during hours it doesn't have to be after hours it can be any booking hours that that place is available a lot of times you'll see obviously like saturdays or friday nights um usually blocked off but depending on the price everything has a price (laughs) so it it can depend but that's that's what we say restaurant is restaurant is the open table for private events so if somebody is looking if somebody comes to our platform they say hey I'm looking for a private event space on this date for this many people, for this vibe, with this food, with these dietary restrictions, all this different stuff. Mm. Show me what's available. Okay. And that and we're actually going to plug in. uh, It takes a little bit of time. We have a lot of stuff still working on. But we have calendar integration. So we should have up-to-date availability and all the different stuff. So we can actually show you not just what's in the area but what's actually available on your date because there's a lot of restaurants like a lot of the ones in Newport yeah. they're booked out for the rest of the oh, summer already yeah. so you can't even think about doing it and they yep. don't want to be taking your calls because wow. it's yeah, yeah they're already booked on your date booked. so They don't want to take your call. So having that availability publicly is is another piece that is key with us.
0: That's awesome. I love that transparency and how you guys are providing that for the everyday person. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people, they get close to when the actual day is of their significant other or their friend's birthday or just a special event. And they start calling around to all these restaurants, but it's way too late. So if they can get on a restaurant and see that something's available,
1: solution. And who knows? Maybe you'll grab a cancellation date and, uh, you (laughs) know, get lucky.
0: True, true, true um so i've seen that you have made some lists some 25 under 25 40 under 40 uh can you tell us does your mom have that hung up on the fridge <laughs> like is there somewhere that it's like in a little shrine that yay nick i'm so proud of you you made the list <laughs> uh
1: i don't think she has it hung up on a fridge she's definitely she's, my my grandparents definitely have some some plaques around the big one that my family has, which which I have too is in my office is the Forbes one. I think that one was, that one was really cool. The one, the one plaques that I have in my office are, I have a plaque every time we do a fundraise for the company and you know, how much we raised, what the date was, what the valuation was, Mm. because I think it's, important and I think that that might sometimes get a little bit of, of hate from people because people want to celebrate successful businesses and not just fundraising and I totally agree yep. but there is something to celebrate that accomplishment it, it is a big accomplishment and I think people assume that you should only celebrate successful businesses mm-hmm. and not celebrate the journey Definitely. and I believe in celebrating the journey because at the end of the day you know, every company, whether it fails or not, is never truly a failure. Okay. And so, I do like those milestones. You know, I have a plaque for the acquisition. I have a plaque for each fundraise, mm-hmm. and it's something that I, I think is nice. Cause I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't take that time to like recognize themselves. Definitely, like, hey, you you did a really did good job here, yeah. and yeah.
0: That's what's up. I like that. That's important too, because uh, it's definitely easy to just get caught up in thinking about the next thing that you have to do, or maybe waiting yeah. for a big milestone to acknowledge it. But I like that, you know, acknowledging maybe the smaller milestones. Yeah. But, um, good for you. I'm These really. There are all, happy. They're all, every milestones a stepping stone to the next milestone. Definitely, definitely, man. Good for you. I'm happy for you, and I'm proud of you too. Um, so outside of work, what do you like to do? Do you like to travel? I know you're traveling. <laughs> I, know you I like am to, traveling a lot. You're traveling. But uh, do you like to go out to new places in Rhode Island, try places to eat? Do you like to go dancing? I asked the last person I had on do you like to go <laughs> dancing? And they laughed as well. Yeah. So I guess maybe dancing is a funny subject. But um, Dancing
1: is not me. It's not you? Um, uh, well, I, I did go to school for musical theater, so yeah. I was trained – in dance, oh, fun okay. fact. Okay. Um, but I think that side of me is a it's little, 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 yeah. little, squeaky. Okay. All right. Yeah. Need some work. Yeah. I need yeah, some work. I, I could use some work too. Yeah. I mean, if you can teach me
0: something after this. We can. Yeah. I need practice. some work.
1: <laughs> but i the big, the biggest thing I always say is like I always joke that I'm 50 beach bum, 50 entrepreneur. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> I, it. you know, my family grew up on the water. I've mm-hmm. always been addicted to the water. Yeah. It's just my spot, yep. and I think that plays a lot into my entrepreneurship because growing up on a boat, you have to be very adaptable. For sure, um, you know I, there's so many times we're on the boat and storms were come, and you're like, "Well, I'm using this towel as a tarp." Oh my god! And you know, there's so many things. So you're like, "We can't get into the go to the hardware store," and so what are you doing for this? And yeah. you know, there's just so many things. So usually, you can find me either traveling or at a beach or traveling to a beach. To a beach.
0: Um, like that. Yeah. Nice, nice. Founders and Friends events, how about that? Is that something you do in your free time? Do you consider that work as well? Oh, no, that's not work. Okay, that's, cool. that's fun free time. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, like I said, from the from the days of hosting concerts, I love hosting events. Yeah. The Founders and Friends events that we host, I think, are well, – only takes me a couple hours to kind of pull everything together for each event. Nice. But it's fun. Yeah. It's, um, can you tell people about that? Yeah. So, so Founders and Friends, basically the story started where in – was it cold? January? Yeah, January of 2022. It was after I sold the company and the Aloft Hotel was opening. And Damaris, bless her heart, I absolutely love Damaris. Okay. Um,. And that is that is a New England bless her heart, not a yeah. Southern bless her heart. You bless know. her heart? I but, mean, I was like – Yeah, southern, southern bless her Heart's like eh. – New England's like like, I love you. I love you. Um, <laughs> literally, literally love Damaris. Uh, and she's the most amazing human being uh, I've ever met outside of my girlfriend that works in the hotel yes, industry. Please recognize her. And, if you're uh, watching, I love you too.
0: I didn't <laughs> say that to Damaris. I said to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so, yeah, so she reached out to me. She's like, hey, like we're going to have kind of these openings. Like We have the bar available. Would you want to host an event? And I was like – yeah, I'll you know invite some entrepreneurs. We put it out on LinkedIn. We called the founders and friends, and 400 people RSVP to the first one. We're one like, yeah, holy crap, yeah. And the the good but bad news is COVID kind of like started picking up again, and yeah. so people were kind of scared because if 400 people came out, that would have been really. I, I we that. wouldn't have fit everybody. Yeah. It was a great night, it was. and it kind of spiraled into like, hey, let's just host an event mm. with no name tags. It's kind of like shoulders down networking, yeah. where you kind of just go to a bar and hang out. Just chill. And the next couple of ones happened. Then we got enough attraction that we started getting some sponsors, and so now we can actually rent out the venue yep. and make sure that it's just us there, nice. and and create an intimate, free event. Yeah. And that that's really what the whole idea about Founders of Friends is. The goal is to create the social fabric of Rhode Island, nice. where there are pitch competitions like we saw tonight, and there's all these accelerators and co-working spaces but if people don't, don't have friends they're not going to stay that's true and so that's the goal of founders and friends is to make sure that people have friends Definitely. and if they have friends then they you know hopefully it goes outside of founders and friends and they go play golf yes, together and they yes. go to the beach and they go to Newport Polo in the oh, summer yeah. and yeah. they go golf yeah, go- yeah. Wherever, wherever it is. And yeah. that that's the vision behind Founders and Friends. Nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been to a couple of Founders and Friends events myself, and they've been a blast. I know yeah. that, you know, going to them, I've met people like Bradley Adams. I've, yep. met, I've gotten closer to you. He just called me during the podcast. Oh, did he? Tell, yeah, him, tell him I said, Hi. Brad, if you're watching this, this was a blast. Hey, we got to have you on this sometime. Bradley, soon. this is why I didn't
1: answer your call. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Brad. But um,
0: yeah, I met him. I think I've met the guys at Focus Forward Media, uh, Mike yep. and Mike awesome people. So founders and friends is a great event Yeah. And it's a great thing that you guys can go to if you're in Rhode Island, in Providence, uh, reach out to Nick. Actually don't reach out to him. Just follow him on social media. You'll see the post and yeah. uh, I can't wait to see you there. Cool. So just a little closing here, just a couple last questions. Um, throughout your career and your life really, has there been a person or a resource or a mantra that has really guided you or been extremely inspirational to you, um, throughout your time? Yeah,
1: that one's deep. Yeah, that this one's, one's deep. deep. This
0: one's deep. Don't mess this up, man. Your mom's <sighs> expecting you to say it's her. I know. Your girlfriend's expecting you to say it's her.
1: I well, I think I think there's so many people. The 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 people is tough. Um, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like obviously like I, lo- I a lot of people know my story. You know, I lost my dad at a young age, and that obviously I think is the big thing that pushes me forward of like how to create the same life that I had. Mm-hmm for my you know potentially future kids of you know making sure that that they had that and i was very lucky that he was like the og work remote kind of guy where like he'd be on a conference call while he's driving the boat out to block island for the weekend and you know they they would his buddies would literally you know be like oh and in a minute we're gonna bring rick on so he would have time to slow down the boat turn on the engines and like so you know being able to do my life the same way that that he was able to where you know at the end of the day it's not all about work and yeah. you know there's about that other world and so I guess the big thing. A lot of people know about me that like my favorite artist in the world is G Eazy. Really? Um I think a lot of collision things it's actually kind of ironic that every time I start a new company, a new album comes out from him. And uh his album that's my favorite album is called These Things Happen mm-hmm. came out the actually the day my dad passed. Oh wow and so there's a lot of like alignments that are kind of like when i like that's kind of my album this was like that's the thing and there's one song on it that is kind of my saying in life which is opportunity cost Mm. opportunity gets cost gets me through everything is you know i'm here instead of there and i'm there instead of here and Living life with an opportunity cost yeah. of, you know, every minute that I'm up here, I'm not with my girlfriend. And every minute I'm with my girlfriend, I'm not doing True. work. And every minute I'm not doing work, I'm not doing this. And so True. making sure that you have that balanced life so that you don't regret any of those opportunity costs. Definitely. Damn, that hit me that hits right here that hits
0: that hits thank you man oh man i i appreciate that and i'm gonna have to listen to opportunity costs right after this because oh it's a great song i, I, I want to ride home in, in my car and just really get
1: into my oh you'll you'll get bit. into your feels there's a there's a great the the ending is like a recording from his mom like a live. oh uh, you get you okay. get into your field all right all right i like that i like that <laughs> if you guys see
0: me crying on the way home driving down 295 today just just keep moving. you know why just keep moving you know why. um nice last question What advice would you give to somebody who's watching this podcast or listening and says, wow, Nick is such a cool guy. I am so proud of him. I want to be exactly like Nick, and I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a serial entrepreneur at that, and I want to kick some ass. What what advice would you give
1: So I think the biggest advice that I give people is know your strengths, know your weaknesses, and do it now. Hmm. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur guy. I'm not a kind of take it to four-year, five-year kind of run a company, and my investors know it. Yeah. I've had conversations with my investors of like, "Hey, you're going to bring it to this level, and then at that level, you're either going to sell, we're either going to sell, or we're going to bring in someone else to run it." Like mm-hmm. that's that's the reality. Like we know what my strengths are, but I'm really good at getting a startup to its first five to ten million. Yeah, that's my strong suit. Yeah, but I'm not good at getting it to fifty million or a billion. You got to be a little, a little, you're a little crazy. Yeah. It's a different mindset. And yeah. so know your strengths and know your weaknesses, mm-hmm. and. You know, capitalize on those. Yeah. The second thing is do it now. Do it now. I tell college kids all the time that if you're in college and you're waiting to start a company, there is no point in time in your life where you will not have rent <laughs> and you will not have food costs. Literally. Yeah. Your entire life could fail. Yeah. And you could take out a student loan. Yeah. And I knew it. I had student loans. Yeah. I Nobody paid for my student loan. I got yeah. $89,000 in student loans for a degree that I don't have. Um, yeah. I dropped out my junior year. That's, right. that's a total of fun. Maybe next podcast. Right. Yeah, next one um, we'll talk more about that one. But you know, I, I tell people, literally, I could have lost all my money, yeah. and I would have had a place to sleep, mm-hmm. and I would have had food to eat every day. True, and in even you know if you don't have somewhere to go between you know the the times of college, yeah. Well, if you lose all your money, you got a couple months. True, you got a couple. You got a couple weeks. You Definitely. don't have rent's not due tomorrow. That's very true. And when you graduate college or you and you go into real life, like huh. rents due tomorrow. Oh yeah, and this you know, enjoy as much time if you have the privilege of you know living at parents' house and Definitely. stuff like that. Enjoy that time and do it now. Definitely. Because, yeah, once you're on your own, rent's due every day. Oh, yeah. Food is due, food due every day. Due you don't me. realize when you spend $100 a day hey. on food because you're ordering DoorDash, oh. and then you're like, oh, God, I need to you know, pull that. And, yeah, oh, and that's the reality. Happens. Yeah. And you have health insurance. You have all this different oh, stuff. Yeah. And so if you don't do it now, most likely you never will.
0: That's fair. Fair to say. I love that. If you're listening. Do it now. This seems to be a theme, too. I think uh, a couple of the last guests also have said, do it now. So take from yeah. Nick. Take from Toye. Take it from someone else who you've heard in the past. Take from myself. Take from the guy who's doing the facilities around here. <laughs> so, a little uh, a little nod here. But, um, Nick, this was a blast. And yeah. I'm so happy that you got to sit in the seat and I was across Me from you. Me, too. This yeah. is great. And I hope to have you back if you're willing. But, um, we'll oh, hear yeah. It. We'll hop back. Yeah. We'll do it again. We'll, we'll do, do an update. Again. We'll do an update. Exactly. Yeah. Soon you guys will hear about what Nick's up to. But in the meantime, <laughs> peace out.